For Your Inflammation is brought to you by Cannabis Breakfast Cereal. All meat, no taste. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Inflammation with Zach and John. to vacation and maybe our lives too welcome to for your inflammation a podcast about good movies better cocktails and best friends we're your hosts john and zach and uh who it, it is september which basically means that it's october which basically means that it's halloween that's how it goes right yeah and then it's basically christmas like if, if you notice when you go to the store They'll have the Halloween stuff out in July. And then by the time you're like, okay, I think I'm ready to go buy Halloween stuff to decorate my house. It's all Christmas. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. They start slipping in the, the odd Thanksgiving thing and then all the Christmas stuff. Like, I feel like there's always like a corner of year-round Christmas merch in some stores. Like, uh, what, oh, yeah. uh, Pottery Barn, uh, At Home, those types of stores always have year-round Christmas stuff. And oh, yeah. part of me appreciates that, and part of me is like, why? Like, you can buy a Christmas tree there year-round. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm very into the idea of buying a black Christmas tree for Halloween. However, I don't Dude, need that. Black Christmas tree for all year. Dude, I had this idea. I wanted to make a kiss tree. So, like, the band kiss, not like a giant yes. mistletoe that implies you got a fuck? <laughs> You know, normal size mistletoe means a kiss. This mistletoe is 12 feet tall. Right, and now we understand why in pagan lore this tree is so important. It's a phallic symbol. It is a little phallic, isn't it? It is. Anyway, it's not Christmas. No, and this is is definitely not a Christmas movie. I mean, if you watch it at Christmas time, maybe it is. Maybe it's Die Hard christmas uh die hard is christmas if die hard is christmas then uh this film cannibal holocaust is um i feel like this is a movie you should watch on the apocalypse like the day the world is ending you watch this movie right because you know what it'll remind you that we deserve this yeah so in just in the spirit of that i'm gonna say this up front uh if you have had a problem watching any of the movies that we have done since the beginning of this podcast, none of the movies we're about to discuss are for you. Yeah, these movie, um, the movies we're about to discuss, uh, by the way, this is going to be part one yeah. of our Cannibal Holocaust little mini-series we're doing. Because you can't just dive deep into Cannibal Holocaust. Like, j- trying to just watch Cannibal Holocaust without any kind of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for, Like, like, like a context. You gotta... You, it's yeah. almost like you have to frame it with an explanation as to why you did this. Yeah, it's... So think of Cannibal Holocaust as like a 45 foot deep pool. Like you wouldn't just jump right in there if you didn't know how to swim, right? You gotta start in the shallow area. Now, unfortunately, this theoretical pool of cannibal movies that we're about to talk about starts at about... 13 feet deep but if you gotta learn to swim and this is the only pool you can get to you gotta start somewhere so you might as well start in the 13 foot deep instead of the you know abominable abyss that is cannibal holocaust right cannibal holocaust is to uh horror films as oj simpson is to nfl stars that is a very apt comparison. I'm actually very proud of you, and I can tell you came up with it on the spot. Yes, because I don't know things about sports, but this movie did make me want to hijack a Ford Bronco and run away as fast as possible. You just want to get as far away from this movie as possible. You really do. It's, um, so, anyway, w- with that warning out of the way, just know that if you are 
even the tiniest bit squeamish, or uh, I would say more specifically, if you're not, uh, how do I put this? Um, if you have if ever been sensitive to a trigger warning of any kind, this is not for you. Yes. Um, it, and just to put it on Front Street, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna put it out there first. Uh, these movies involve things such as uh, people eating other people, um, being insensitive to um, indigenous peoples of all shapes, sizes, and colors, um, being dicks to animals, uh, pretty outright. Yeah, being dicks to people's dicks. Being dicks to people's dicks. Very vividly being dicks to people's dicks. And, um, of course, a uh, lot of violence against women. Uh, yeah. So these, so these movies are very controversial in nature. Um, yeah, so just small trigger warning. Um, if we haven't lost you yet, uh, welcome. Yes. Uh, we're, we're, we're gonna get into it, but just know, we do not condone any violence against animals, any violence against women of any kind. Um, but with that being said, John, let's get into it. All right, cool. So story time first, because uh, we have to say this up front. I have seen Cannibal Holocaust once before, and I had also seen Cannibal Ferox once before. Um, I had not seen Green Inferno, I hadn't seen Mountain of the Cannibal God, and uh, there, there is a bit of a story behind uh, Cannibal Holocaust and us, because... You are the reason I know this movie existed. You are the first person I watched this with, and it's the only movie that I blew chunks during. Yeah, you didn't you were were we drinking when we watched this? Is that why you threw up? Okay, because yes and no, because in no way had I drank like overdrank myself. Like I was just having a good time. But the thing we were drinking, and I guess this has to count as the cocktail part of the episode because um it was technically a cocktail, but uh the infamous peach brandy <laughs> Dr. Pepper concoction. Yes. Um, okay, so this was uh this was when Zach and John were little babies. This was uh this was our first cocktail concoction. Uh this was probably circa like what, 2014, 15 maybe? Uh I would never ever drink underage, so uh it, it was a hard 2016. Okay, we're <laughs> we'll go hard 2016. Actually, you know, no, 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 that's, that's actually fair, because I did buy this from a liquor store with my license. Hey! So, um, the, so you are correct, this would be 2016, um, I actually just forget how old I am It's easy to do when you get this old. It is, um, I, I don't even know, like, what age I am usually, like, sometimes I'll say I'm, like, 27, and then other times I'm like, oh, I'm 21. And that's a blatant lie. Yep. Uh, at one point, I think I was at a bar. I don't remember where I was. I must have been in Florida. I don't know, but someone asked, they're like, oh yeah, how old are you? I'm like, ah, 21. And then they look at my license, they're like, you're, you're, you're like 24. And this was like a couple years ago. And I was like, I knee-jerk reaction. You really shouldn't ask me what my age is in a bar. Dude, and you know what? Do you ever do that thing where like, you know, you're signing up for some sort of, um, like, you know, store card or something like that, and they'll be like, all right, what's your birth date? And you go, ah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not even just your birth date, because you know your birth date. It's when they ask you just the month and year, and you go, ah, shit. It's kind of like when they ask you for just the last four of your social. You got to, like, sing out the rest of it to, you know, remember just the last four, like it's the goddamn ABCs, and you don't remember what M is. Yeah, 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 it's the alphabet. Yeah, I I definitely know what you're talking about. Um, So, independent of forgetting exactly when this was, um, it... It's really sugary drink. I don't recommend you drink it. And I definitely don't recommend you drink more than, like, one or two of them. Because, uh, yeah, that's not good for your stomach. Uh, it okay. turns out the sugar in the drinks and not balancing the flavor is what makes you feel bad. Right. And, okay, so just to be clear, I'm the one that 
brought this to our attention on the peach brandy and dr pepper um i remember it because i was like oh i've never i was in the liquor store and i said i've never tried brandy and so i saw this cheap like ten dollar brand of brandy uh, christian brothers if memory serves i think that was it and it was like peach brandy and i was like i like peach i'm gonna buy this it's cheap whatever because you know when you're 21 ten dollars seems like an awful lot to spend on a bottle of liquor and now it's like wow that's really not a whole lot to spend at all oh yes yes this is asking i I got what i deserved yes um and so i go up to the counter and i'm like i don't know what to mix with this and the girl behind the counter goes oh you should try dr pepper with that i've done that before and it's pretty good Mm. and i trusted her But now I suspect that she might have been fucking with me. You know, I don't know if it was truly just like a, I work in a liquor store and you're going to ask me what to mix with this random thing. Uh, Brandy, Dr. Pepper. Okay, peach brandy, Dr. Pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. That'll be fine. Mixed a regular brandy with Dr. Pepper, it would not be as heinous. No, it's it's truly the peach flavor because there there are certain flavors that go with Dr. Pepper, like um, vanilla and cherry. It's because vanilla and cherry are already in there. Right, it's one of the but secret peach? 23 flavors. Exactly, like you can't just put peach in Dr. Pepper. It doesn't work. The flavor profiles do not match. Right, it's overly sweet and uh, yeah, it's definitely not something you want to drink while watching your first cannibal horror movie. Right, because the cannibal horror movie is definitely like, I'd have to say it's the meth of the film world. It's, yeah, it's pretty extreme. It's, and it's, I mean, that's really what it is. It's all extremist film. And it's a you love it or you fucking hate it. Yes. There's no in between. You can't be casually watching these. That's a fact. Uh, Some of them are worse than others, but I would say that any of the movies that we talk about today, you really have to... You gotta be knowing what you're getting into, or you gotta be prepared for it. Because if you were just looking on, I don't know, uh, Amazon Prime Video, or wherever you can find a movie like, we'll say, Green Inferno, and you're like, oh, oh, this looks kind of interesting. Oh, sure, yeah. And then you watch it, and, you know, they start hitting people with an axe to, like, pull the, pull the arm off like it's a fucking Christmas turkey. Yeah, while, while the guy is still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Bad. And then it's, um, it's definitely one of those situations where, like... You couldn't just spring this on somebody. This is, uh, I know I said it was the meth of the, uh, film industry, but it is also the, um, anal sex of the film industry. It is, uh, you can't just spring it on somebody. You can't just get a wild hair up your ass and want to show somebody this. If you've seen this, you are more than likely embarrassed that you've seen it. Right. Or you're a little fucked up in that you kind of like it. And, uh, I I guess there are reasons to like this, but I I'm going to stand by the fact that this is maybe not the most depraved film I've ever seen, but it is easily the most disgusting film I've ever seen. It's disgusting, and um, I the main thing that I would say that cannibal films make me feel, and especially Cannibal Holocaust, which I guess if you had to say which cannibal movie's the best, Zach? I don't know, man. I guess Cannibal Holocaust will like hit all the nails on the head for you. It's like it like it's not as um convoluted as some other ones are, but I think it's um it'll it, it'll itch that itch you have for what what you want to see because uh you've probably heard about it. It's like constantly said it's one of the best horror movies of all time. It's one of the most controversial movies of all time. Definitely so like wait, that. Y- you you're getting what you're paying for yes which by the way if uh you want to watch it it is you can uh get a shutter subscription through amazon prime for uh 
They could get like a seven day free trial. Um, not sponsored. Should be, right. but not. Yeah, should be. Uh, um, help us get some money. We're sponsored by rats still. We're sponsored by rats and uh, Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. Yeah, coming to uh, VHS 1999. <laughs> yes, it's um, they, they still got them. They're in the warehouse. So somebody come get them. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, and this episode's going to be a tad bit different. Um, so we're not going to be talking about just one movie. We're going to be talking about three movies and kind of just the whole cannibal film in general. Um, we'll be talking about cannibal Holocaust itself next week. Yes. That's going to be, uh, the head, the tip of the spear, if you will, to reference another movie where Americans go into the jungle and die for very different reasons, but also tangentially related to Green Inferno. Which we'll talk about that later on. Hell yeah. yes. So let's talk a little bit about exploitation film, because if these movies are anything, they are exploitation films, every last one of them, with maybe the exception of Green Inferno, which is an homage to the exploitation cannibal film. Right, and it's um, it, it, it's directed by Eli Roth, so... Uh, you know what you get. Yeah, do, do with that as you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you that are kind of uninitiated into this type of thing, uh, exploitation film is like a film category where the movies are usually uh, low-budget, poorly made, uh, used like the extremity or niche nature of the content to fill the seats. So it's something that they would show at like a, uh, a smaller movie theater that may not have as much money in it, and that's where the term grindhouse comes from, right? Those types of theaters... Mm-hmm are called grindhouses because they buy movies for cheap people see movies for cheap and they keep the business model flowing am i am i wrong in that no it's that's exactly right it's for people that want to see the extreme side of anything so like grindhouse movies are we talked about them on the podcast before like john said they're usually poorly made they um they usually have pretty piss poor acting um there's some sort of sensational thing that they're selling like um Sometimes it's uh, close to hardcore pornography. Sometimes it's um, extreme, like, depraved violence. Sometimes it's depraved sexual acts. And sometimes it's just kind of up in the air. Like, it's just something weird that you couldn't go to the AMC and see. Right, yeah. Uh, so popular examples are going to be, uh, like, Night of the Living Dead, which is a personal favorite of mine, uh, at the time featured... Um featured a, a black leading man which was not something you saw in films very often that weren't also black exploitation films which this f- film gets accused of being but we, we can't get into that right now there's way too much to say um Psst, pink flamingos pink flamingos yeah, that's, this, that's it, one th- 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 that is that's my bread and butter right there man i fucking love john waters yeah 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 so uh pink flamingos and then rocky horror isn't necessarily a grindhouse film but it kind of falls into the same like tangential category to this it um yeah it's tangential in the fact that it's but i think rocky horror like even in the 70s was like right on that cusp of being okay for mainstream right whereas pink flamingos is not that no i mean literally a drag queen eats literal dog shit off the street right uh that's <laughs> a pink very flamingos. very exploitation film thing to have happen uh sleepaway camp uh we talked about that earlier don't even if it's a fake kid dick don't show the kid dick that's bad um, a bunch of kids get their heads chopped off. It's fun uh, if you're into that type of thing. And then Blackula. So again, with the black exploitation films, uh, Blackula is it's Black Dracula. If you didn't figure that out by yet or by now, <laughs> I I don't know what to tell you. You know, I think all Draculas should be black, just like I think all Santas should be. I went to uh, Hobby Lobby the other day, and there was um they had all the Christmas stuff out, but they only had one black Santa thing. Ah, okay. See, I'm used to seeing the lineup where they have the white Santa. 
the brown Santa and the black Santa. Right. And it's like, like, at least be fair. Like, like, just have every single Santa thing in different, like, variations. Right. If you're going to bring black Santa to the table, give him a chair. Give (laughs) Give him a seat at the table if you're bringing him to the table. Exactly. Or, you know, let's just embrace Krampus. Let's just get rid of all of it. Krampus is a demon. Yes, I agree with you, but Black Peter is problematic. As showcased in the office yeah they actually just took that scene completely out yeah i'm sure they have now you know not in what was it 2007 when they debuted it like it was cool in 2007 whatever we can't get into that right now um (laughs) personal favorite exploitation film is uh, frankenhooker have you seen frankenhooker dear god no is this a is this an evil bong type thing no 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 this is a i don't want to say it's highbrow by comparison because it's not but it's a lot better than that (laughs) it's more fun and it's better put together it's it's not like that it 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 doesn't reek of a spencer's latex halloween mask oh god where it kind of smells a little bit like cum like just a little yeah yeah uh, like that and uh vanilla pudding cum and vanilla pudding um put them together you get tapioca Uh, uh, nope that's not true Um, so do we, is Grindhouse like film for the common man or is it like low budget meets low class or is it truly just like a time and place thing that people go to a specific place to see it? Like where does that phenomenon come from? I believe it is human nature to want to see something extreme. Fair. Like we all, whether we want to or not, we do all have a little bit of Scheidenfreude inside of us. It, that is the uh, that is happiness in the displeasure, uncomfort, or suffering of others. Uh-huh. And so I think that's I think Grindhouse appeals to that part in every person. Now, some people I would say should not watch Grindhouse film or exploitation film because, and it's not I don't mean this in any type of way, but like they just can't handle it. Like uh, I wouldn't suggest it to someone who's um you know, very Christian, very conservative. Um, They tend to not like things like this, and that is totally fine. You know what's funny, though, is that uh, in researching for this film, I discovered a subgenre of Grindhouse called Christsploitation, which is actually very friendly to that group of people. (laughs) Yes, it's, um... Don't get me started on political exploitation and like um, religious exploitation. Religious exploitation, like these are like your God's not dead and shit like that. It's Uh, um, God's not dead to Christ exploitation is Green Inferno to Italian cannibal film. Except I don't think that Christ exploitation knew that it was going to be what it was and i don't think that god's not dead knew that it was going to be what it was going to be they just were doing a thing and it happened to be that it wasn't on purpose exactly and like those are the type of things i wouldn't want to cover on the podcast like the christ exploitation because to to make fun of it i feel like it's kind of cruel fair enough because it's because it's um like while god's not dead is the it's i i'll just say it right here because we're in the cannibal holocaust episode fucking anyway so who cares um it's not a good movie it's poorly written it's exploitive for sure which is what we're talking about here but it's just overall a bad movie and cannibal holocaust and green inferno are overall bad movies like 
that's the that's one of the other main drawbacks of grindhouse film is that usually it's not very well written they have very like probably either just starting out or piss poor actors doing these things because no one else wants to do it right and sometimes uh they people who did grindhouse film do go on to make more mainstream cinema like uh john waters and uh divine who has started almost every one of his films um, they're, they're the shining examples of that because John Waters made something like Pink Flamingos where, you know, you see a dude fucking a chicken and then he made Hairspray. Right, yeah. Um, again, tangentially related, maybe. Exactly. It's, um, so I guess all of that is to say Grindhouse is not for everyone, but I do think it appeals to a inner curiosity of the different, the weird, and the extreme. Agreed. And there really is a flavor for everybody, like we touched on earlier. Sexploitation is a common one. I mean, who doesn't love, you know, sexy stuff, I guess? And uh, when you're looking for that type of thing, it's easy to do because you just got to find someone who's willing to maybe get naked and do stuff on camera because it's not porno necessarily but you know the appeal is there for people who are into that um black exploitation is another one uh again don't necessarily know how to feel about this one because on the one hand i mean giving people what they want to see in a movie just having you know black stars in a movie and also being like i'm making money off of that and that's the only reason i'm making money on that but uh, it is a transaction there i think it's just kind of fucked up because that was really the only place you could get that type of thing for a while and that's not fair it is sad um and but what is kind of cool is that um the black community kind of took it back right at a certain point like with uh specifically with a sweet sweet back to badass song like uh they really really took it back like that was an all black cast um black director black writer black crew like they like they gave the people what they wanted but they were keeping the money in their community and for themselves right which is maybe how it should have happened from the beginning but again 60s and 70s you get what you get Exactly. I'm glad, like, I know we live in a very PC time right now, but I am glad that, you know, at least some, at least people are able to keep parts of their culture and make money off of it for themselves to better their culture or to get more information out there. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's great. And if you don't think that's great, then why are you listening to this podcast? Fuck you. Fair enough. Uh, there are some other <laughs> examples. Uh, exploitation I found was very interesting. That's the exploitation of Canadian audiences specifically. Um, hippie exploitation, <laughs> which is, it's about what it sounds like. Shark exploitation, which is an extension of like the Sharknado phenomenon. Um, Wh- yeah, just... that's, that's the genre now. I, you know, I've, we've talked about it in the Jaws episode, but like, just what, what do you guys, what do you guys see in this? Um, like, it's the same thing that people see in cannibal film, I guess. No, I think, I, I would have to think that this shark exploitation film, I feel like this is for people, like, you know, like me, I wish it was Halloween every day. These people wish it was goddamn Shark Week every day. Right, and so then when you run out of mainstream content, but you still want content, you go to less mainstream content, and that's how you become more well acquainted with, like, Sharknado 5, you know, like that type of thing, which is not really something that's going to, you know, be seen anywhere outside of the sci-fi channel. Ugh, and uh, then we have stuff like uh, Porno Chanchada, which is uh, Brazilian softcore movies. Uh, I I don't know why that's included here and not in like the softcore pornography genre, but um, I guess there is a bit of a bleed over there. It's like a Venn diagram. 
Uh, there's there's an exploitation film, and then there's just purpose-made softcore film. So, like, uh, The Italian Stallion. Put those titties on me like a Venn diagram. Anyway. Uh, yeah, um... yeah alright. So, <laughs> this is where it becomes especially relevant to talk about Mondo film. So, Mondo uh, being derived from the Italian word for world, which is, uh, I believe, also Mondo. Uh, it's It refers to, like, a... Mm, it, it's different from core exploitation film in that it is a quasi-documentary so they take uh, not necessarily found footage and not necessarily mockumentary, but they make a documentary for edutainment purposes that is also really extreme. So it's not really what you see in like a Blair Witch Project, but it's also not what you see in like a Cannibal Holocaust. Because Cannibal Holocaust, and one of the reasons why we're talking about it, is because it bridges the gap between the Mondo film and the modern mockumentary. So uh, a maybe shocking example would be Goodbye Uncle Tom. Uh, which is an Italian uh, Mondo film about American slavery, uh, as you probably could have yeah. gleaned from the title there, to which Robert Ebert said, the directors made the most disgusting, contemptuous insult to decency ever to masquerade as a documentary. Uh, and that's, again, from Roger Ebert, someone who's generally willing to examine everything for what it is truly worth. Correct. And um, another example of this would be uh, Faces of Death. Which, which was just a, uh, you know, slapped together, quote-unquote, documentary where it was just a bunch of people dying in different ways. Yeah, so it's it's something that is edutainment. It's meant to be uh, just a movie attached to an idea, and there's supposed to be some kind of factual basis for it. But uh, the lines are kind of blurry as to what could be considered documentary and what could be considered, you know, shockumentary. It's, um... It's almost like trying to compare uh, Tiger King to um, literally any other documentary. Right, yeah. Tiger King is highly sensational and not necessarily, like, factual in every instance. It's pretty good, but I think that is a good example of a shockumentary. Yeah, it's... Uh... I think that's what people want more than anything is shockumentary. So I think we might see some, like, uh, Mondo film uh, rebirths. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> Which would be cool, I guess. I don't know. Depends on how far they want to go with exactly. it. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, we're not going to remake Goodbye Uncle Tom. That's uh, Absolutely That not. is not going to happen. I don't want to see Italians pretending to, uh, you know, be, like, antebellum Southerners. I really don't either. Also, while we're here, um, I just also want to make, th this is going to be a public service announcement episode just because I feel like the, the content requires it. Yeah, they deserve it. Um, there's been a lot of, like, fake documentaries, and what I mean by fake documentaries is, like, uh, not backed by science or fact or anything going on a lot lately in, like, the YouTube community. Specifically, like, you know, anti-vaxxer and uh, flat-earther communities. And just so you know, just because someone took the time to make a documentary and it looks good, does not mean that it's real. Do your own research. Yes, uh, if Cannibal Holocaust taught us nothing, it's that. Exactly, and we will get into that next right. week. Right, so let's take a deep dive here into cannibal film itself. So it's maybe one of the most notorious and obscure varieties of exploitation film. Uh, checks a bunch of the blocks that we see in all the other genres. So we got the gore, we got the torture, we got the nudity, we got exotic locales, we've got sexual violence, and we've got animal cruelty, d just to name a few of the things that someone might watch the movie to see. And just so you know... That's not a list in order of horribleness. That is just a list. Yes, that is just it's there. <laughs> this is your this is your warning and it's uh 
it's not great a lot of times, uh, especially when it comes to like the way that they talk about natives or indigenous peoples. Um, they're pretty much all films made by Europeans that depict the interactions between the Western world and um, we're. I'm gonna use this term with like big air quotes savage peoples uh, because <gasps> that is how they are depicted. So. Uh, you kind of yes. see a light version of this in Indiana Jones type movies where it, it's a Western or an adventure film or, you know, something like that that has someone from Western society. So in that case, Indiana Jones is an American. In this case, you know, the, sometimes the people are Italians or they're Americans or whatever. But, you know, they're going to a foreign exotic place to see foreign exotic people do their foreign exotic practices. And uh, they're not experts. They're directors of schlock film, right? So they're not going to get yes. it right. They're just going to do whatever's going to sell and that's really what you see. Basically, any movie where you have Italians playing Native Americans or Asians is going to be a movie like that. Yeah, and it's um, shame on Italy. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is not one of the shining moments of European cinema. Um, no, none of it them is are. not. But it's okay, Italy. We, you, you, I'm sure Italy could fire back with all the dumb shit that America does in its cinema. I, uh, yeah, I guess so. But like, damn, Cannibal Holocaust, you know what I'm saying? Are we any better? We I, made I cuties. You know, well, actually, we didn't even make cuties. Yeah, we can't get into cuties right now. Not again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> uh, they, they found a home in Italian film of like the early 70s. Uh, Man from Deep River is one of the earliest examples of this, uh, directed by Umberto Lenzi, who went on to make Eaten Alive and, of course, Cannibal Ferox, which we will touch on later. Um, kind of differs from other cannibal films in that it takes place in Asia, and uh, the protagonist joins the village. So th it's less so a us versus them. It's someone in the middle learning something different and then choosing one side over the other. Uh, although there is still, as I understand it, a considerable amount of violence and, uh, you know, exploitative content. Oh, so it's like Midsummer. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. Uh, no spoilers then. Definitely watch that. That That is a hard recommend. It's, uh... I liked it the first time I watched it, and it has slowly crept up my uh, to my top ten, and possibly even my top five. I like it. I like the idea of that. It's uh, a little bit like a Wicker Man type thing, right? Yes, uh, the, it, it is like Wicker Man. It kind of goes into the same territory, but it is, um, I would say it's different enough to not say that it is a um, ripoff. I, you know what, I'm glad that we're talking about it, though, because... I really think that you could just, like, to paint a picture for you guys that haven't seen this and probably won't see this, imagine, like, a Wicker Man type situation, except that all the, like, the pagan villagers are, uh, they're not just regular, like, Scots, Irish people, they, they're painted brown and they can only say Ooga Booga. That, that's essentially what we're dealing with here. Yeah, it's, um... Oh, put up, put on your big boy pants. Uh, it only gets worse from it, here. That, yeah, that is maybe the least heinous thing that happens. Well, maybe not the least heinous. It's pretty heinous, but there's a lot. <laughs> it's to, um, there's a lot to unpack. When um, you know, impersonating people of other colors of other races and cultures is kind of like the least on the offensive list. Uh, you know, you're in for yeah, some shit. It's par for the course with these movies. So um, so the release of Man of Deep River kind of led into the cannibal boom of the late. 70s which kicked off with Ultimo Mondo Cannibal which is also known as The Last Cannibal World and Jungle Holocaust it was released in 1977 uh, directed by Ruggiero Diodato and widely criticized for its extreme violence and use of animal cruelty now Ruggiero Diodato <laughs> also directed Cannibal Holocaust yeah uh, Ruggiero Diodato um, just what what a, what a man I can't say legend but what a man what a man yeah yeah 
Theodore later returns to the film genre with Cannibal Holocaust, and uh, it, it is that bridge between Mondo film and mockumentary film, so found footage being the, the big carryover there. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Found footage. Now, this was a pretty shocking concept for some people, and uh, censorship played a big role into it, especially with the release of Cannibal Holocaust, which we'll, t- again, touch more on next week. I keep teasing you about it, but we're gonna do it. Uh, people weren't used to seeing stuff like that. People weren't 100% sure what to make of it, and didn't know if it was actually in any part real or not, because it is presented as such. It It is presented, uh, we'll talk about it next week, but um, basically the the math that they do in the cannibal holocaust movie is um show you real animal violence show you real clips from real um execute political executions so therefore once you get to the fake cannibal and human killings in the film you believe that they are real yes which in some ways you could say is the goal of a horror film and in other ways you could say is uh recklessly irresponsible absolutely recklessly irresponsible it's um yeah, it's no good. It's uh, it's no fun. Um, I don't think that anybody enjoys these things. Um, it's highly exploitive. It's uh, it's highly offensive to indigenous people because um, while there have been people that eat other people throughout history, um, these films would have you believe that uh, cannibalism in the third world is a much bigger problem than it actually is. Yes, and uh, it's funny because in some of the movies they actually address this, and as we get down into uh, movies like Cannibal Ferox, we'll see that they are self-aware of that, and uh, I don't know whether that makes it better or worse, but you know who it didn't matter to? The censorship boards. Yes, they uh, they, they did not have fun on these. No, no, this was a bad time. Uh, most of these movies were d- just chopped to hell, and uh, most of them had to have considerable cuts to be released at all um ultimo mundo cannibal a four minutes cut in the uk three minutes cut in australia uh cannibal holocaust banned in at least seven countries um <laughs> that's considerable uh cannibal ferox had a six minute cut in the uk and several different censored releases on the australian film registry which is just insane that you would think that anything would be banned in today's society because you could just VPN anything and watch whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. It's a it's a practice from a bygone era. You really just can't control stuff like that anymore. And even stuff that is legitimately terrible, like execution videos or uh, illegitimate pornographies, they have a hard time controlling that. So controlling something like this is just really kind of off the table. Uh, but that didn't stop them from doing it back in the day. Uh, and that brings us to talking about the UK video nasties debacle. Uh, I, Zach, you are big in censorship right like you are always up the ass of people that are trying to keep people from watching art right i am i to a degree um i think that you should be able to watch any film that you want and when i say any film i am obviously not including things like snuff films or um anything of a uh, illegal nature i do not think that people should have ready access to that and i I don't think that they ever should. Right. Because it's because there's a difference between someone's death being accidentally caught on camera and shooting a movie where you actually kill a human being for the strict purpose of entertainment. There is a big difference there. Yes. Highly, highly controversial. And also one of the things that got Cannibal Holocaust in hot water. So... In the UK specifically, this video nasty thing kind of came about in the 80s, uh, I guess, as a response to this type of thing. There was a legal loophole in the Obscene Publications Act of 1959 that allowed them to release films 
without having them go through the censorship board if they went straight to home video. So they were not going to be publicly released, therefore they did not necessarily have to be screened. Right, because, and we do this in the U.S. as well. This is where, like, the whole unrated American Pie 2 came about. Like, it's, it doesn't have to pass the censorship board, because usually the unrated version of something is, like, the the version that they originally submitted and they didn't get the rating they wanted, or, you know, anything like that. Like, I never understood why, like, rated R films would come out with an unrated version. Like, PG-13 movies coming out with an unrated or rated R version of their film makes sense. Right, because, I mean, there's so much you can do with rated R. I guess it costs money, though. Like, you do have to pay for that, don't you? For your film to be rated R? Yeah, for the specific things that strike against it. Uh, you don't have to pay, necessarily. It's just, um, a rated R film is, um, it's become better over time, but a rated R film used to be very hard to market. Oh, you know what? FCC violations. That's what I'm thinking of. FCC violations. Yes. FCC violations would be like, uh, in recent history when Kristen Stewart accidentally said the F word on SNL. Oh no, it's almost like we would have known what she said anyway through the little bleep. Exactly, or uh, more more famously, uh, when Janet Jackson's uh, bare breast was accidentally exposed on national television during the Super Bowl halftime show. Right, and this rule was clearly written by reptilian lizard overlords who have never suckled on a breast. Exactly, it's just a booby, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Now, there, there are limitations there and we will touch on that. Trust me, we will exactly. touch on that. However, uh... This particular loophole allowed for the proliferation of movies like Cannibal Holocaust, like Evil Dead, and some others that are a little bit more obscure for reasons that I'm sure we could find out, but I don't really need to know right now, uh, and quite frankly don't want to know after filling my brain with all this cannibal stuff. So, uh, (laughs) just to give you an idea, there were two tiers of it. So there was a Section 2 and a Section 3. The Section 2 included movies that you could have confiscated and be prosecuted for distributing. So if I had a couple copies of The Evil Dead sitting around, I could be legally liable for distributing obscene material if I were caught with them. But that includes Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox, and again... Evil Dead, among others. Now, there's also a Section 3, which is the video nasties list. So Section 3 is not as bad as Section 2, but it's bad enough to have them confiscated. You may or may not be criminally liable for it, but you will have them taken away. This is what really, really gets me, is that this list includes things like The Thing, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, and Lloyd Kaufman's last horror movie. Um, Which is, why? Are all... Those are all movies we show on TV now. Yeah, exactly. And this wasn't that long ago. This was like 1983. Yeah, the 80s were, his, like, just plain and simple, a very conservative time in all in all countries, really. Like, uh, over here in the States, we were mainly fighting uh, violence in video games and... Drugs. Uh, drug, the crack epidemic, which may or may not have been started by our own government, but we won't go there. No, 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 we're not um, that podcast. We're not that podcast. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, they were also fighting for the censorship of music. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a big one. Because, again, you don't want them talking about violence. You don't want them talking about crack. You want them to commit violence and do crack. Because when they do that, you send them to private prison and your buddy makes a lot of money on them. Oh, trickle-down economics. I, I don't even know if that's trickle-down. I think that's just dick-slapping. <laughs> 
It's double dipping. You make the crack. You also make the laws against the crack. You profit off the people taking the crack that you make that you made illegal. Wow. Yeah. And then you make money when they go to jail. Again, we're not that podcast. So I think the important thing to take away from this is that a lot of times we, especially as Americans, will look at our history or look at uh, our world and we'll say, wow, that's really messed up. Not knowing that literally everybody has done this. Like, again, the UK video nasties. Who got so offended about Night of the Living Dead in the 80s that they needed it confiscated. Could you imagine if a cop came to your house and took your copy of Evil Dead? This, hello, I am constable. And I need to confiscate this copy of Night of the Living Dead from you. This is disgusting. How dare you think that people come back from the dead? I do not need my wife to come back from the dead. Then they'll know who put her in the river. I, yeah, yeah, like that. Uh, also, Australia has had a, a bit of a about with this. Ireland has banned many films over the years. Uh, and you know what? It, it extends to other stuff. People, like, we like to think that, you know, like, America was really archaic in our dealing with, like, LGBT rights. But, like, Australia didn't have gay marriage until, like, three or four years after we did. Yeah. We like to forget that. Australia is also very um, liberal on a lot of other things. So, like, I don't think their citizens are allowed to have guns at all. Well, yeah, but that came after a gigantic massacre. And you know what? Again, we're not that podcast. But, you know, uh, there's there's a story there. There is a story there. We'll get into it another time. Right. So, (laughs) hey, if you you want to suck that guy's dick, not cool. But you know what? (laughs) We're taking your guns, too. (laughs) Can't be gay. Can't have a gun. What, What else is there? Right? man let's get off the politics let's let's talk some more (laughs) movies so we have three movies to talk about today and they're all in the sphere of the cannibal film genre um what's there to say about this mountain of the cannibal god i (laughs) did not know this movie existed until about a month ago and holy crap what a doozy yeah this one is not quite as bad as cannibal holocaust but it's it's a little more heavy on the animal violence. Oh yes, oh considerable amounts of animal violence, and um, we'll, we'll just we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about the rest of that. So uh, this one was directed by Sergio Martino, who is known for his contributions to the Gallo film genre, which uh, Gallo is Italian for yellow, which refers to the color of the paper that they use to make Pulp Fiction books. So it is essentially Italian Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Uh, you know what? The more you know. Uh, we are the in more filming in you. filmation. Yeah. Yeah. See, it all works out. Full circle. Hell yeah. Yeah. A uh, major influence on the American slasher film genre as well. So uh, there you go. There's some roots for you. Um, the film, not to get into, uh, I'm not going to say the word, but a, uh, a roundabout description because I don't want him to show up. Uh, who, who is him? Oh, him. Frank Synopsis. Oh, good yeah. God. We're not, um, we're not paying him. So we can't say the word without saying the name Frank Synopsis. Cause if we said the word, we would be required to bring him on contractually. We can say the word Frank Synopsis in quotation marks. Yes, exactly. It's a name. However, we've said it three times now. So, and I don't think he's a very Beetlejuice type guy. But I do know that he has a lawyer, and uh, they will be reviewing this episode carefully. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so the movie centers around a woman named Susan Stevenson who goes to the jungles of New Guinea with her brother and guides to find her missing husband. So he went out on an expedition. He got lost, and they're like, he was doing research. I don't know where he went. Turns out they know exactly where he went. He went to find a uranium deposit in the jungle. Oh, goody. Yeah, so this is uh, th- this is one of the big ticks in the box here for the cannibal films, which is resource exploitation. And uh, unfortunately for her, the uranium deposit is on the mountain of the cannibal god. 
Dun, dun, dun. Which sounds way more badass, but really it's a bunch of guys living in a cave and banging a hog. Yeah, um, they weren't actually fucking that big, were they? I don't know, and I don't want to know. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's funny, because, you know, you're used to seeing in credits like, no animals were harmed in the making of this film. This is uh, not, they don't do that in yeah, these. <laughs> this is not one of those movies. So, so you have to almost assume that whatever you're seeing is real and unsimulated. And again, what landed so many people in hot water for the production and proliferation of these movies. So, Oh, well, God, it's a fun day at the films. It's a fun day at the cinema, kids. Yeah, <laughs> let, let's walk down the list here. Um, resource exploitation. So uranium is unknown to the natives, but they go in and get it anyway. Uh, common theme. Human-animal violence. There is so much goddamn animal violence in this movie that it is maybe harder to watch than the human violence. It It is because it's real. It's not... And it's human-on-animal violence. That, too. There's so much stuff. There's so much going on. They just, like, the disemboweling the iguana, That that's a legitimate animal disembowelment. And, like, you know, if I were to make a censored version of these films, I would just replace the animal-on-animal violence with uh animals just fucking each other you know what i feel like i feel like it's the same thing <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of like uh, when people take pictures of police violence and they replace the like the guns with like a dildo exactly like this is just replacing violence with sex not a good association to make in the minds of young viewers however no uh, not that, at that's all. how you it's make a, a serial killer exactly don't don't watch porn after watching these no and don't eat spaghetti while you're watching them either yeah, th- that'll cause a different reaction. That's more of a tummy reaction. Yes, no matter what the Italian director suggests, do not eat a linguine while watching this movie. <laughs> yes, um, it is okay to mess up your tummy. It is not okay to mess up your brain brain. Right, Leave right. that alone. Yeah, get that mind meat where it needs to be. Don't don't let it sit here. Don't, don't let it simmer in this nasty cannibal soup. Um, primitivism. Very inaccurate portrayals of the natives and uh, the things that they do, like living in a cave painted white and... Uh, uh, I, we, again, we've already talked about it. It's just, there's tons of disgusting stuff going on that you really could not believe that they were willing to put on camera and publish. And I'm not trying to make you go watch this movie. Do not watch this. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. If you are not willing to watch all of them, don't watch one of them. Exactly. It's, um, you, you gotta know what you're getting into. Anyway, please continue. Yeah, so sexploitation. Uh, there is a considerable amount of, uh, we're gonna call it sexual content, but I don't think it's all necessarily deserving of that title. This one, however, has this dead-ass softcore porn in it. Uh, it's... Yeah. It, what's there to say other than someone, someone's just jerking it? Yeah, it's... It's, it's pretty intense, um... I think that technically counts as hardcore pornography. I'm not sure. It's not simulated at all. No, no, it's not. It's, uh, I was honestly surprised. Like, I watch a considerable amount of schlock film. Uh, I was surprised at that. Yeah, because you're not used to seeing, like, the real McCoy. There. Like, let's, like, let's not, let's not mince words here. We've all seen porn. Sure. But you ex- you expect porn to be the way it is. Yes. You don't expect to see it in, like, a movie you're watching. Right. Like, it's it's still shocking to see real sex in a movie. Yes. Uh, real sex, real sex acts, uh, and then, again with the bestiality, uh, not something I was expecting to see. Um, yeah, this, this one was, this one's a rough watch. Yeah, uh, and it's all in the last 25 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's it's pretty slow. It's a slow burn, and then it just goes to 
whatever level of hell you think that might be. Yeah. Maybe level 12? I don't know. Right. Uh, the, the special clearance level where you have to show them your ID. And even the devil's like, oh, God. Yeah, oh, you come down here? Oh, fuck that. So, uh, attempted rape. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and caveat that with attempted rape because they're not all attempted uh, in these movies and it is not good for your for your mind mate. It's not good for your for your little eyes. No, no, it's not. Uh, on on a on a different level, though, uh, tribal nudity is something you're going to see throughout all of these movies, and I don't think that that has to fit in the sexploitation genre. I find that to be like the least offensive form of nudity in film. And I think if you're just right. if you're that bad, then you should just jerk it to National Geographic. Yeah, exactly. Like if you if you're looking for porn, don't look for it. Here. No, no, no. Like no, we no. said. I, I would wait a good 12 to 13 hours before you jerk it after watching anything like this. Yes. In fact, just get it all out of the way ahead of time. Just go in there with post-nut clarity. Um, nah, because you might still, it might still get mixed up in there. Anyway. Right. Uh, buffer time. Buffer time is important. Uh, and violence. Violence is all over these movies. Uh, gruesome deaths from booby traps, uh, depictions of dead bodies, uh, genital mutilation. Um, which is, believe it or not, a strong thread through all of these movies. And, uh, yeah. of course, cannibalism. Yeah, they, they like to cut the dicks off and eat them a lot. Yeah. Like, that happens in almost every single thing, and it's like, I guess I get it. It's kind of like, that. that's like a man's worst nightmare. Um, but it's also like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, especially when it's something that you've seen in other movies. It's like, they're not even being original. They're truly just doing it to get people to watch it one time. And I guess that's all they really needed was to get them to come into the theater and watch it one time. Well, and I've got to be completely honest with you here. I think that, um, most people wouldn't know that that's a trend. Even people who have seen at least one cannibal film. Like, I think that the, the cannibal subgenre is usually a one and done. And maybe not even one. They might get, like, 20 minutes into it and be like, nope. Yeah, yeah. The first time they see someone, you know, like, smash an iguana with a hammer or split a turtle open. Um, Again, uh, oh. justice for turtle. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Justice for turtle. I, oh, I'm gonna be sick. It is nasty. Uh, And that, that basically sums up Mountain of the Cannibal God. It, there's not a lot to it. There's not a lot of story. This one actually has an interesting kind of side plot with the mission. So there's like a Christian mission in the middle of the jungle. And this one guy that's been living out there for like 20 years or whatever. And he's actually an okay guy. However, um, there are some uh, confusions of intent between characters. And a dude ends up killing himself because he thinks his wife is cheating on him with one of the explorers. Yeah, it's... <sighs> so if you like watching a dude kill himself, uh, again, not not good for the mind meat. This is a bad one. It's overall a bad one. Um, if this one was still banned in certain countries, I I get it. Yeah, yeah. There really is not any redeeming quality to this. There's not really a redeeming quality to most of these. Uh, so that being the case, let's roll on into Cannibal Ferox. Cannibal Ferox from 1981. Uh, this one is pretty close to Cannibal Holocaust. Yes. Uh, in fact, I might say that the... Uh, dirt quality of this movie might make it worse in some ways. Um, it's... It's a different setup, but I feel like most of the plot points are the same. Uh, this one is pretty depraved, yes. honestly. Um, it, uh, once again, you've got the animal violence, the, uh, the violence against women, um... Just complete insensitivity to indigenous people. It's, um, uh, this one, th yeah, this one may or may not be worse, um, because 
the, the main American character in the film, uh, like, he's not a sympathetic character. No. And you kind of don't feel bad for him. Not at all. Uh, it's, there, there's a lot to it. I, it's directed by Umberto Lenzi. He directed Man from Deep River and Eat Alive. So we kind of touched on that earlier. He's better known for his spy thrillers and erotic films and also a Gaio film guy. But uh, this movie is infamous. And this is infamous in ways that the other ones are not. Uh, and the, the film kind of goes like you were saying. There's the Americans that come down to Colombia. So there's New Yorkers uh, uh, with that sweet, sweet disco rock beat every time we see a picture of New York City. It's... <laughs> I, it's so weird. Like, that's also a common thread through these movies. It's, like, some sort of weird, like, upbeat, like, either 70s soft rock or, like, hardcore disco pop. Yeah, that plays like, over being, like, the filming of New York City. Is this just what Italians think New York City is? I guess so, because, like, in the 80s, it was more, uh, you know, Billy Joel and uh, Springsteen. Like, those were the sounds that dominated New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of early hip-hop, maybe. A little bit of early hip hop, yes, in the eighties as well. Early seventies, uh, the um, the uh, the slight decline in punk rock. Yeah, so you're starting to get you're starting to get some post punk. It's uh, it's loud going on. Yeah, it, you just you're watching the movie and cruising along, cruising along, and it just like goes like straight to your brain, straight to the dome. It's uh, it's once more with feeling, just just. Do it again. Yeah. So, um, they get stranded in the jungle. They meet up with two other Americans, also New Yorkers, who are there for drug trafficking reasons, but they are uh, masquerading as emerald prospectors. Come to find out, um, they are just kind of depraved fucks who are out here in the jungle looking for, uh, money, and, um, that's when all of the, uh, the chaos ensues. Yes, they find, uh, they find something, uh, they bit off a little more than they could chew. Yeah, forgive uh, the expression. They, <laughs> they bit off a little more than they could chew, but, uh, the natives picked, uh, just enough to chew. I don't know. I don't know where I was yeah, going No, with finish that. it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I did. It just, it was not as, uh, it, it was not nearly as clever as I uh, intended. Yep, right enough. Yep. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it happens sometimes, man. You did this to me a couple of uh we, you know what we were talking about? Italians again. That's what it was. It's always yes. it's always the Italians, you know. You, well again with the cannibals and the the, the manicati and just the walking around with pans of lasagna in their shoes. Hey, 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 you're forgetting about the pizza. Oh, the pizza. Yeah, I will always take a pizza. See, that's the that's where the New York Italian connection is really coming in. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Italian American community is still uh Alive and well in New York City. Uh, yes, anyway. Yes. Uh, so themes from this movie are uh, slightly different. So there's uh, drugs and theft of resources in the form of these gemstones that they were trying to get. They just killed the guy when he couldn't, you know, deliver on the promise of emeralds. Um, human animal violence. There's a lot of animal animal violence. And also a guy gets kind of eaten by piranhas. Kind of eaten by piranhas, uh, which we'll talk about it next week. Uh, that was actually supposed to be in Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, was it really? Yes, that exact scene was supposed to be in, in Cannibal Holocaust, but the uh, underwater camera that they had uh, for filming that day uh, malfunctioned. I see. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely not a content issue. It's not like it was just too much for them to put on, oh, the, no. on the screen. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, um, there's also, like, they, they, they have this little pig thing. Oh, and yeah. They, and they just allow it to get eaten by, what was it, an anaconda? Yeah, it's a, uh, oh, I remember what, I don't, it, I think they call it a muskrat. It's not actually a muskrat, it's something else. But, yeah, they take it out in the jungle with them and they stake it to a tree so that it'll attract the predators to itself and not to them. Did they do that on purpose? 
Um, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they did because they said, "Oh, I thought it's a... it, I, I thought it was an accident." No, no, they said it was like a good luck charm. Ah, and so it's 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 just a little snack. Yes, essentially, it's really just like detracting from the juiciness of the human meat. So the anaconda wants them instead of, uh, or it wants the, the thing instead of them. It's called a kawati. That's what it's called, a kawati. Uh, a they kawati, keep calling yeah. it a muskrat, even though it's not a muskrat. It's not a muskrat. It never has been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so primitivism again. Uh, they. The blatant disregard for native cultures and what they're actually like. Correct. Yeah. And I I don't think that all of these actors are just Europeans painted brown. I think many of them are probably, you know, South Americans at least. Yeah, they they seem they, they seem to be anyway. But um I it's actually kinda hard to find that information and I think it's because they buried it. Yeah, which is understandable. Uh sexploitation again, there's no actual like in this movie but uh there is a significant amount of sexual violence again to include human mutilations yes so um it's like a lot of what these movies are trying to say is like basically are we so different um but it's 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 contrived it's definitely a point that they're trying to make after the fact yes especially with this one because of the new yorkers that are going there they're going there to do research for an anthropology dissertation one of them is like a doctoral student and so they are trying to prove or at least find evidence that the cannibalism phenomenon only exists because of the conflicts between Europeans and the natives and that it was used as like a warfare tactic or like to scare them away. And they do end up kind of proving that <laughs> it, it's the brutality of the people that come there that drive them to be so extreme in trying to get them away. Right, and it's like, well, you're obviously not leaving, so I guess we're gonna have to make you. Yeah, exactly. We literally put you in a cage. We made it so that you could get out, and you still didn't leave. You're dying now. Right, yeah. And they, uh, they chopped the dick off, and, uh, it's, it's bad. It's, 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 and then they cauterize the wound so that they can torture him again later. Yes, which is, uh, understandable. It's also kind of weird because they're like, oh, these people are savages, but they know how to cauterize wounds. Yeah, 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 of course. It's amazing what you'll figure out when you're, you know, just as old of a civilization as everybody else. And also, like, not to get gross here, but the penis is a major organ. Like, that thing is basically one big, like, vein. And so, if you cut that off... You would, there would actually be too much blood loss in the first, like, two minutes. To the point where, like, even if you carterized it, you would have still lost too much blood. That guy should have been dead. Yeah, I think even under the best of circumstances, you're going to have a hard time. And this guy's been, you know, wandering around in the jungle for a week. And, uh, it's not a... You know what? Why are we dissecting the nude? Like, why, why, are, we, why, are, we, why are we giving it this respect? I'm I'm not giving it any respect. I'm saying it's unrealistic. Yes, it is one of many unrealistic things. Uh, booby traps make an appearance here. They also did in Mountain of the Cannibal God. Uh, one of those again, like sensational kind of adventure film things, given like an Indiana Jones kind of vibe. Oh yeah, let's let's bring Indiana Jones into this. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like a hop, skip, and a jump from the uh the first Indiana Jones movie. It it it's a pretty big leap. Okay, they don't like, need anybody, but they're still like blowgun ooga booga. Yes, that is very true. insensitive. Down, oh, downright insensitive. Yes, and there's a snake, right? He's like, Jock, get the snake out of the plane. And then Samuel L. Jackson's like, I've had it with his goddamn snakes on this goddamn plane. 
Yep, and then uh, he goes, uh, English, motherfucker, do you speak it? And then the tribes go, ooga booga, and then everybody laughs, and we go home, and somebody gets an Oscar. Uh, yeah, well, I, they they got something. Uh, <laughs> they, they got almost imprisoned over these movies. So uh, Yes, they did. And uh, you know what I'm going to say? Maybe deserved it a little bit. However, uh, that, that, that is, we're not that podcast. So, uh, as always, cannibalism. And uh, fun fact, the practical effects in this movie were done by Gianetto De Rossi, who also worked on oh. Dune, Conan the Destroyer, and Rambo 3. He also worked on Zombie and House by the Cemetery. Yes, uh, these are actually uh, some other, I'm going to go ahead and say better, Italian grindhouse-esque films. Uh, they're a lot more fun, that's for sure. The, most definitely. It's not as, um, it's more of a like, ooh, this is naughty, instead of like, I don't feel anything now. Yeah, House by the Cemetery gives you that hopeless kind of vibe. Zombie does too, but Zombie's like a creepy, like, uh, you know, science-y kind of thing. It, it's actually really kind of cool. Uh, again, with the exotic locales, uh, it's uh, and New York actually. It starts in New York, um, but it's it's weird how many parallels there are. These are all the works of Lucio Fulci, so uh, check those out if you're into this kind of weird schlocky film. But uh, those are good examples of him. He actually did a, a fine job with them, all things considered. Correct. And uh, this is where we jump ahead into the modern era with Green Inferno, released first in 2013 and later in 2015. Oh, Eli Roth. Yeah. What have what have you wrought? Uh yes. Uh Eli Roth is uh he's he's on the team of horror globetrotters of the twenty first century. Yes, and he's known for um I mean the man obviously has a love for the genre. Yes. And he constantly either um whether you want to say he rips off other movies or he makes very close homages um it, it's anybody's take but you know like he started with hostel and hostel 2 like in the early 2000s they're kind of a take on um like the uh i guess um, some more japanese body horror genres like uh, the uh, the guinea pig film series where it's basically like a simulated snuff film yeah 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 um it's also kind of a torture film and uh that it's yes. a little bit like saw i honestly want to say that hostel is better than saw just definitively um it really depends on how squeamish you are yeah because saw is like it's fine but like once you watch like 30 minutes of it you're like okay it's it's a thin veil like i, I can see what's going on here like i know how this is gonna turn out yeah yeah saw is um saw is a lot closer to uh, the final destination series than people really want to give it credit for yeah 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 saw is like the mcdonald's to the hostile wendy's yeah hostile is a little closer to the like i said like the body horror genre and also the uh the torture genre, which I've never been quite into. Mm -hmm. Like, I like if it's simulated, fine. But when you put it into, like, a too real setting, kind of like uh, the Cannibal Holocaust films, even though it's... Or just cannibal films in general, I'm sorry. Um, when you put it in... Even though those are, like, somewhat fantastical settings, it's kind of like... I mean, I guess this could happen. Sure. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, whereas Saw is, like, fantastical. Like, I don't think that this would actually happen. So is Cannibal Holocaust. But then Hostel is, like, something that could actually happen. Right. And I think that might be why it's a little deeper for some people. Or it kind of fills the world out a little bit more. Because you don't have to, like, imagine quite as much of it. It's just kind of a real thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, also played a part as an extra in Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avenger 4. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I think we also at one point confused the two. So um, the Toxic Avenger 3 is the last temptation of Toxie. And uh, Toxic Avenger 4 is Citizen Toxie. Ah, Yeah. Gotcha. Also going on a bit of a redaction. Uh, at one point, I said that a rum swizzle was a highball drink. It is not. Um, not even close, actually. I got it confused with the Dark and Stormy. Oh, yeah. God damn, John. God damn you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just in case you were wondering, <laughs> uh, I know. I know. (laughs) For all of you other cocktail nerds that listen to this podcast, please listen. Please listen. Um, So Roth directed, wrote, and produced Green Inferno, which is kind of impressive if you think about it. Like, that's hard to do these days. It it is, and it it is, and it isn't. Like, you have to really believe in what you're doing here. And uh, for Eli Roth, like, nobody, like, the cannibal film genre left such a bad taste in people's mouths that... I'm sure he had a very hard time finding someone who would actually want to make this movie, especially because he wanted to make it so close to some of the original source material that it still comes off a little bad. Right, and uh, forgive the expression again of bad taste in the mouth. Yeah, it it definitely leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's um, it's almost like okay, come on, man, it is like the 2010s. Like you can't be doing this. Yeah, and I wonder sometimes about how now the standards of film are very different from what they used to be. Like you used to be able to get a movie like Cannibal Holocaust released. Uh, it was difficult, but you could do it. But could you imagine doing that today? No. I don't, I don't think you could. Like, like now um, I think the closest thing we might have are some of the, like, uh, trauma films that are really extreme, but those never go to, like, the theater, and those are made specifically to be tongue-in-cheek and crazy stupid most of the time. Exactly, and they don't actually kill animals. No, 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 no. Like, you would not be able to do any of that today, but it's there, and it's in a medium that we're still familiar with. It's just, ugh. But at least there's no animal violence in Green Inferno. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They kept all that stuff to a minimum. Uh, I tell you what, they didn't keep to a minimum. Uh, the the themes of genital mutilation. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty rough. Like they just take the. It's almost like they uh they carved a piece off of a um off of like a, one of those like lamb racks that they use for euros. Yeah. It's almost like they just took a knife, took a bit of that, just put it right in their mouth. Except uh, it's a penis. Yeah, yeah, so they got, like, uh, the guy, and they just, like, disembody the head and everything else, and they just, like, ah, that's bad, and then they're gonna, like, I I guess they're gonna chop this chick's clit off. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get into the the movie itself. Uh, It's about activists that travel to the Amazon to intercept a rainforest destruction project. It's, like, a a petrochemical company. They're gonna go, and they're gonna tear down some forests, and they're gonna extract some natural gas or whatever. Seems like something that happens pretty often, kind of shitty, but okay, yeah, college kids are really passionate about that kind of thing, and you should be too. Shame on you. Um, yeah. <laughs> on, on their way back, uh, the, the plane crashes in the jungle, and uh, the natives don't really distinguish between them and the guys destroying the jungle. They're all just outsiders to them. Right. It's it's all, they're all bad. They We don't want any of you here. Right. They don't understand the difference. So uh, they take them, and they put them in a cage, kind of like we saw in Cannibal Ferox, and they just kind of off them one by one and eat them. Uh, but some of them make it out, some of them don't. You'll have to watch the movie to find out. They almost chop someone's clitoris off. 
which is um something that does happen still um in some more uh, third world countries yes and uh they did a bit more foreshadowing like this takes uh more of a front seat in the extreme content uh like in the beginning of the movie she's in a class and they're talking about it and that's how she gets hooked up with the guy that introduces her to the activism group is in that class but uh, you know they have a whole class about fgm and then here you are in the jungle being painted up and uh, they're just like oh yep, yep here we go we're gonna cut it off and be like that's fucked yeah it's um uh i don't i don't get it i don't get what he was trying to say with this movie at all i think it's just truly supposed to be an homage yeah and th- there is merits to that um it does kind of expose some of the themes that we seek in modern day uh i guess exploitation like of natural resources of uh native people i, I say native people we're gonna go ahead and say uh selectively isolated peoples so activism and politics being two sides of the same coin like some people spoiler alert in the film who are organizing the activist events are getting paid by a rival petroleum company to make this one look bad but they use that money for other causes so it's like okay yeah i see it this is highly political there is a lot going on behind the scenes also the fact that he's here on an activist mission is kind of a call out to cannibal holocaust yeah it's um and the fact that the movie is called The Green Inferno, that was the working title of the documentary that the uh, four uh, documentarians were working on in Cannibal Holocaust. That was the name that they were going to give the film. Right, which definitely loans to this being an homage to the genre, specifically to Cannibal Holocaust and the adjacent films thereof. Um, I think some other stuff that they brought in was uh, violence, grisly violence again, uh, full human dismemberments, impalements again, Cannibal Holocaust call out. And uh, fire ant torture, that's maybe the only thing that we have that could be considered animal-human violence in this film. They really kept that to a minimum. It's not, it's not horrible. It's not good. It's not horrible. Right, yeah. It's not like they smashed a turtle. Again, uh, don't, we'll talk about it, but not right now. Not today. Oh, God. Yeah, so uh, again with the FGM, and I, I find it interesting that there is such a, I don't, I don't want to use the word, but like, this is like libcuck the movie like yeah it's it it explores a strata of our society that we don't commonly acknowledge for being foolish would you mean like like the liberal like super activist people yes because 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 are they not yeah because are they not the same as like you know people who go on mission trips just to go on vacation yes and it's kind of a similar idea here where like yes they go out and they're trying to do a good thing but they're also being played and they also are uh frankly destroyed by the people they are trying to protect because those people do not distinguish they are in no way interested in how you are different from the other ones that they are having such a problem with yeah it's um it's it's two sides of the same coin it's just uh fuck this movie yeah like like the, the messaging gets like really riddled in the um disgusting violence that happens in this yeah like i I think the thing that sticks with me the most is when they cut uh the um forgive me the the larger guy they cut off his head and um they just start like drinking the blood from the head ah yeah 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 see that's good and you know what's funny though that you mentioned like uh you could like kind of compare it to people who go on like missionary vacations um in an interview that Eli Roth did with the Jason Ellis show a few years back, he actually talked about an experience while they were filming this movie 
where they're out there on location in a jungle filming this movie. And there's all these dudes painted red, and there's like a couple people like in the water, like around the water. They're like filming the movie, and like a riverboat full of Christian missionaries, I think from Texas, just cruise down, and they're like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" And it, <laughs> he said it was funny, but also distressing because they thought everything was completely serious. Oh dear God! Yeah, which is that? That's funny. That, that's funny now. Probably not funny then. In a different interview that he did with Business Insight. He kind of addresses the message of the movie, and specifically in relation to people who kind of decried the movie and wanted to censor the movie. Uh, He said, and I quote, The idea that a fictional movie about a fictional tribe could somehow hurt indigenous people when gas companies are tearing the villages apart on a daily basis is simply absurd. Companies don't need an excuse. They have one. The natural resources in the ground. They can window dress things however they like, but nobody will destroy a village because they didn't like a character in a movie. They'll do it because they want to get rich by draining what's under the village. The fear that somehow the movie would give them ammunition to destroy a tribe all sounds like misdirected anger and frustration that the corporations are the ones controlling the fates of these uncontacted tribes. Now, if that doesn't sum it up really, really well, I don't think I could come up with anything better. Yeah, it's, um... He's deflecting a little bit from the actual issue here, but it is, um, he is correct in, in certain parts of this. Like, um, the, the main focus of, like, the controversy is that you're depicting people that you don't know anything about, and you're depicting these people, and they have no way to speak up for themselves. Right. And so it's almost bullying in a way. You think on the part of Eli Roth? On the part of just, yeah, on Eli Roth of making the film in general. It's all like, so the messaging of it is that like, I don't think people are going to go find these tribes and kill them because they saw this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they might look at someone who say came from in, from a, um, what, what was the term you used earlier? Uh, a selectively isolated group. A, a selectively isolated group, because sometimes they do make their way into our society. Yeah, 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 like the and, Amish. And you, exactly, and you might judge them because of this movie. Like, that. that's the kind of thing I'm saying. I see what you like mean you, there. Um, I think that it's also important to note that this is not in any way a mockumentary. It's not in any way a Mondo film. And also, he does acknowledge it all as being fictional. And if you can't figure that out, then uh, you're you're kind of dumb. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. It's, um, it's more of just a, like, it's exploitation. You know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use a term here, and I, I don't know if this is a real term, but it, it's kind of po- post-exploitation, because it's really hard to shock American audiences now, because we, we've seen a lot of dumb shit, and, like, honestly, we have some of the most violent television in all of the world. Yes, no boobies, though. S- no boobies, but all, all the violence, that's fine. And we ha- we constantly have shows like a Law and Order SVU that mix sex and um, violence constantly. So I don't know how we don't have more serial killers than we do. You know what? But... Maybe it's just that uh, the dumb ones have been caught because the internet has allowed us to uh, catch them better. But the smart ones are highly active. That's terrifying. And I don't want to think about that. Right, right. Think about it. Anyway, All the serial killers we know about are the ones that got caught. Exactly. But I mean, and I don't mean this in any type of way. And this is terribly derailed. But Ted Bundy was actually pretty smart. And I think he got caught on accident. Oh, yeah. Young Republicans. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, uh, active, is uh, actually a local Democratic politician. Yeah. So it's, um, I do believe that if they had not made small mistakes, they would have never been caught. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Anyway, back to what I was trying to say here. Um, he is right that the the thing that is more dangerous to 
those tribes are the people coming in there to steal their natural resources that they have no idea that they have because they have no use for them. Right. But it doesn't make it right. It's almost like saying that kid for being fat, but at least I didn't bully him for, you know, his mom died two years ago. Like it's yeah, doing, doing both, both would be, would be fucked, fucked up. up, but doing even one is bad. So yeah, yeah, I see. That's how from. I feel. About um, it. I think uh, as an homage to a genre that uh, is notorious for doing this, like unironically, I'm not even going to call this ironically. I don't no. think any of this was irony. I, I think it was all intentionally done just to be an homage to a genre and uh, right, wrong or indifferent. Uh, I don't think it made enough of a splash. It didn't actually even get a real cinematic Put release straight to in HBO. America. Um, it, it, it played in like some art house theaters, which, uh, that's yeah. another part of Grindhouse that, like, it, like Grindhouse still kind of technically exists, but instead of being, like, extremist film, it's, um, experimental film, and it's shown in art houses. Ah, uh, yes. Um, like, anal ring toss the movie. Yes, or, um, uh, oh, fuck, what, what was the most, like, quote-unquote, indie experimental film I've ever heard of? Probably, um, ex- Escape from, uh, Escape from Tomorrow, which is a, uh, strange film that was filmed on location at Disney World without Disney World's um, acknowledgement. I see. Uh, the Fooly Cooly of indie yes. films. Anyway, it's not a great movie. Like, I, w- I wouldn't waste any time other than to maybe go read the Wikipedia article. It's really not worth your time. Anyway. Yeah, of course. You know, Wikipedia is a, a tremendous resource. Wikipedia is a tremendous resource. I love Wikipedia. If you don't donate to Wikipedia, I highly encourage you to do so. Yes. Anyway, um, do you have anything else to add, John? I think I think I've said about all I want to say about anything other than Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, we'll get to that next week. You know what, man? I yep, I'm ready to just dump all of this content from my brain. I'm ready to give it a good old scrub. I'm ready to get some of that uh, Doctor Bronner's organic Castile soap and really scrub the crevices because, uh, whoo, man, there's a there's some nasty shit. In there, there. there is just some shit that we don't need. Anyway, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, Please tune in next week for our episode on Cannibal Holocaust. And also give us a like on our Facebook. Um, Follow our link tree to see all of us on all the bullshits. And uh, that's going to do it for Four Year Inflammation. I'm Zach. And I'm John. Have a great great week. Watch a new movie this week. Uh, If you choose it to be a cannibal film, uh, good luck. Yeah, bring a barf bag. (laughs) Bring a barf bag. Don't eat pasta. Don't jerk off after. Bye, guys. Movie centers on a woman named Student Stevenson who... Did I say Stusen? Stusen? All right, cool. We're, we're going we're gonna to walk that back a little bit. A- edit point. <laughs> the movie centers around a woman named Stusen... I did it again. I said Stusen. Uh, Stusen Stevenson. <laughs> Stusen Stevenson. Stusen. Stusen. Miss Stusen. Miss Stusen. <laughs>